Welcome to Literary Elixirs, where we match books with delicious food and drink. I'm Justine the Librarian, and I'll be chatting with various bibliophiles about their favourite recommended reads and just what elixir they'd choose to pair for a wonderful reading experience. This episode, I am joined online, of course, by award-winning book reviewer, critic and genre fiction advocate, Kate Cuthbert. After working for more than a decade in trade publishing, notably initiating the Escape Publishing imprint of Harlequin Australia, and serving as its managing editor for almost seven years, as well as working at the Australian Library and Information Association, good old Alia, for those in the know, Kate is currently the program manager at Writers Victoria and is also pursuing a PhD examining rural settings in Australian popular fiction. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to Literary Elixirs. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. I love your background. It's so interesting. Uh, working for Harlequin Australia would certainly fit the bill of genre fiction advocates. Um, I can't think of many other jobs that would really. Are you still a lover of romance? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that we're having this conversation in the middle of isolation because um, I'm actually spending a great deal of my time recommending romance novels to other non-romance readers because everybody is looking for the kind of optimistic and hopeful literature um, that can be found inside a good romance novel. And I'm sure you know I'm a big fan of romance and I've been loving uh, Jodie McAllister putting out her Twitter, you know, romance book of the day. Have you thought about doing something? Dr. Like Jodie's wreck of the day. Yes. Yeah. Hashtag Dr. Jodie's wreck of the day. Yes, get that hashtag. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> Are you planning on doing anything like that? Or are you just recommending to people that request? Uh, look, I do personalized recommendations. Ooh. I think Jodi has the market cornered at the moment. She's doing such a great job. I wouldn't want to step on any toes. It's interesting. Uh, but I work in the art, sorry, I work in the art sector now. So I'm working with a lot of people who haven't had that sort of genre fiction exposure before. So I'm getting a lot of my colleagues and fellow Wheeler Center um, employees asking, be just being a little bit curious about the genre and asking where good places to start are. I'm finding it so interesting that being in isolation has seen a, what I'm seeing as a bit of an explosion or of discovery of genre, but particularly of romance and for its escapism, I guess, and for its happy endings. Um, it's pretty obvious why, but I think it's lovely. Yeah, I think it's really lovely too. One of the things that um, I say about romance whenever I'm asked to speak about it is that it really is an earnest genre of optimism and it's you can't go into a romance novel with any cynicism attached or it's not going to work for you. Um, and it's one of the, it's the, the only genre that firmly privileges the connections that we have with each other and it goes beyond the love connection. It goes into the community, into family, into friendships. Um, and I, I'm not surprised that a lot of people are really needing to see that sort of life-affirming belief system reflected back to them in their reading. Absolutely. I came into genre through science fiction and I oh. still adore science fiction. Um, but I've gone through my phases as well. I was into um, a sort of detective. I was into... Uh, crime not true crime exactly but yeah that sort of you know hard-boiled detective slash crime yep. gory occasionally and then I came out into that sort of historical romance into more contemporary romance I love them all maybe you're not the, the crime or stuff at the moment but <laughs> I do still <laughs> have a very fond spot for genre um, even though I do love 
you know, literature in all its forms anyway. Um, but are there any other genres that you're a particular fan of? Uh, look, I don't read, well, romance is obviously my favorite and will always be my favorite, but I'm a bit of a genre horror. You really can't keep me out of any of them. And it's funny that you said that you're not really into horror at the moment because I'm really finding myself reaching for it. And I think it's part of my brain that's saying, okay, bad things are happening, but at least that's not happening. Like <laughs> taking it to the furthest extreme, sort of make yourself, make yourself feel better about where we are at the moment. So yeah, I've actually good. been, yeah, I've been delving into a little bit of horror lately. No, definitely not for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that you're pursuing a PhD, examining mm -hmm. rural settings in Australian popular fiction. I think that was so interesting. And I can only imagine how many books you must be reading set in rural Australia. Um, do you have any particular favourites? Do you have a number of how many you've already read and how many more you're going to read? Like, oh. have you, you set yourself a challenge? No, my goodness. I think I must have read over... I must have read over a hundred by now. One of the things about a PhD is that you have to keep narrowing down your focus. Um, and one of the biggest, one of, one of the biggest challenges for me has been creating a corpus of text. So the, the, the text that you're going to refer to in your PhD, and it can't be every text much as um, completionist to me kind of wanted it to be. Um, so I've sort of had to narrow it down to about 30 crime texts and 30 romance texts in order to actually be able to go ahead and write as opposed to keep reading. Um, do I have any favorites? Look, I will say that when I read Crimson Lake by Candace Fox, I actually had to read it twice because the first time I was reading through it, I just kept getting caught up in the story and wanting to know what was happening next. And I wasn't paying attention to what I was supposed to be doing. So eventually I just stopped and I just read it through so I would know what happened at the end. And then I went back and reread it in order to actually pay attention to the things I was supposed to be paying attention to. That's brilliant. I have never read it. It is going to be very high up on my, my TBR list now. If, uh, if it can be distracting enough for you, that's going to be a good book. She has two sequels out as well about them. So you don't have to wait for them. I had to wait for them. So you're in luck. Nice. I love, you know, I don't, I've never minded waiting for a sequel, except right now in this particular time, I really resent the fact that it's, it's so hard <laughs> to get a book in, uh, at the moment. Um, and I know it will come, it will become easier shortly, but you know, I just, I don't want to have to wait. I want my, I want, I want it now. <laughs> yes. I want absolutely. those dolphins now, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so cool. I, um, I've actually never usually been a fan of books set in rural Australia until fairly recently. And obviously I think Jane Harper has had a lot to do with it and Christian White. And just, there just seems to be a lot of really good literature and yes, it's, it's mostly crime, but it's such a good background. I mean, Chris Womersley is also another, um, he does a great, a great book for ref, which is still one of my favorite books ever. Um, and it is, you know, set in Outback Australia. And I just, it is such a atmospheric space. Why did you choose that particular PhD topic? Well, it's really interesting because um, Australia doesn't have a really strong history of publishing popular fiction to just the Australian market. A lot of the pop our popular fiction writers here in Australia had to go overseas to get published before. Um, <clears throat> and in order to get overseas contracts, a lot of them had to not write Australian stories. There was uh, just this underlying belief system that <clears throat> a stories set in Australia weren't going to sell anywhere else. Um, so it's really only sort of in the last 15 years or so that we've seen this boom of popular fiction stories set in Australia, written by Australians for Australian readers. And 
it took off like nobody knew that it was going to. So for me, as somebody who's worked in publishing for as long as I have, and who's really interested in what popular fiction can say about a culture and a community, that sort of publishing event is, you know, I can't stay away from it. It's just so interesting and exciting to me. So um, when I wanted to start looking at exploring things further and, and looking at doing some formalized study, looking at what was going on at this particular time in publishing that led to this absolute boom in a way that had never happened before here in Australia. It was, you know, it was almost inevitable, really. I, yeah, I, there's nothing else I could have thought of to pursue. You know, I, don't, I very rarely ever think this, let alone say it, but that's a PhD I'd like to read. <laughs> I have to write it first. I'm in my last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't keep you too long because you need to get cracking on that. <laughs> it sounds super interesting. I, I, I think I'm not so much interested in, in writing something like that myself, but I think the research, I mean, that, that's probably why I'm a librarian. I like the research aspect. I, I could easily get lost in, in, in doing that kind of research and then doing nothing with it, except having that knowledge in my little head. <laughs> yeah, look, the research part has been really fun. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. To business. I asked you to think about two of your favorite books of all time or currently, whatever, and what you would pair to eat or drink with said books. What is your choice number one? Um, I'm just going to throw a caveat into our discussion here because um, it actually took me a really long time to come up with books and pairings because originally I wanted to choose a romance novel because as we've discussed, romance is often overlooked and I wanted to give the opportunity to spruik some of my favorite books and talk about why it is that I think that they'd um, be a really good choice for anybody. But actually sitting down to come up with favorite romance novels was impossible. And then I started going down this rabbit hole of choosing a lesser known romance novel so, you know, to give some exposure and it all ended up too much. So I actually haven't chosen a romance novel for either of my books for today. So just in case anybody comes back at me and wonders why, you know, me romance advocate didn't choose romance novels, it's because I couldn't, there were too many and I couldn't pick a favorite. It was all too hard. I love so the, <laughs> the first book that I chose is actually a collection of essays. It's called We Are Never Meeting in Real Life and it's by Samantha Irby. Now, Samantha actually has just released another collection of essays called um, Wow, No Thank You. And it, that's amazing. It's amazing as well. I think Samantha is probably one of my very favorite writers. She is funny. She is honest. She is self-deprecating, but never pitiful. She just really lays out the basic facts of her life and talks about herself in such a way that it becomes almost immediately relatable, regardless of the fact that we live on two separate sides of the world with two very separate experiences. Um, <clears throat> it's just so engaging and it's laugh out loud funny. I recommended this book of essays to a friend of mine and she said, she sent me a message back saying that she became that person on the train that laughs to themselves. And she was actually really unhappy with me for <laughs> making her into that person. Um, so they're funny, but they're also, they're deeply moving and deeply affecting. And I think that this book of essays is probably one of the most perfect books I've ever read. It's just brilliant from beginning to end. I have no idea what you're going to pair it with then. <laughs> well, that's one of the things of it, <laughs> Samantha. Irby. So she, her, you can find her on um, Instagram and I think she might be on Twitter as well. I think she actually might be taking a Twitter hiatus, but she's definitely on Instagram um, with the, 
ha- uh, with the handle at bitches gotta eat and she does a um she does a newsletter as well which is just every day it's telling you um she just does a recap of like a live court television show it's not one you can get in australia so I've, the name of it's gotten uh fallen out of my head really quickly but it's like a judge judy kind of show and it's, it's a recap of it every single day um but one of the things about samantha is that she's just unapologetically herself and she leans thoroughly into all of the things that make her who she is all of the trashy embarrassing details um so i pair i think you have to pair this book with your most basic snack the one that you will never give up but that you'd be vaguely embarrassed to admit to so in the in the spirit of this book and in, of samantha's writing in general i am prepared to admit my most basic snack uh, which is sweet Moscato wine. And honestly, the sweeter, the better. Lean into it, make it really gross. People can't drink the kind of wine that I really love to drink. Um, and there are these crackers that you can only get at Aldi. And they come in a yellow box. And I think they're just called Wheaton crackers. And they are absolutely useless to eat because they snap so easily. Um, but you can find me at my happiest drinking a glass of Moscato wine and eating these crackers dipped directly into cream cheese and then putting them into my mouth. So crackers right out of the package, cream cheese right out of the tub. Um, I'm allergic to casein, so my cream cheese has to be vegan. So it's the cheese brand of spring onion, but whatever cream cheese works for you, you know, you do you. But that's the snack that I eat when nobody is watching. And it's the perfect pairing for this kind of book. Oh, my God. There are days, there are some days where I just wish this was video so people could see my face. (laughs) No, I think it's brilliant. I love it. I've heard of We're Never Meeting in Real Life. It always pops up on those funny books lists. Um, But I've never actually gotten around to reading it. But I I have followed, I have seen some of the Instagram that you're talking about with um, Samantha Irby. And um, I think that she would be very proud of you. (laughs) <laughs> I hope so. I kind of live my life with the hope that Samantha Irby would be proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. And I just, sweet Moscato wine is like the antithesis of anything I would ever drink. I hate sweet. I know everybody like I, yeah, everybody's embarrassed of me when I drink it, but I can't <laughs> help it. I just it, like no, the no, more I it tastes like liquefied candy, the better. I think I'd be proud of you. I mean, you totally own it. <laughs> love that so much that's brilliant it's brilliant all right um well i thought it wouldn't be fair as always i like to make a a, a pairing myself so i've chosen a book but this time i've done something a little different and i i'm blaming iso for this um so i wanted to pair something with this particular book for a while and nothing seemed to make sense to match it with and then i realized what it went perfectly with and what it goes perfectly with is lockdown okay (laughs) Hang, hang in there, I will explain. Um, so that's right, I am pairing a book to go with our current ISO existence. I might be slightly mildly nuts at the moment. Um, so for all the weird, for all the crazy, for the fact that we chose it because it's the right thing to do, even though we knew it would be hard to do, and to quote my favorite movie of all time, it's the hard that makes it great. Thank you, Tom Hanks. And even though it's been hard, it has also been great to see, mostly anyway, humanity rise above. And for the fact that it will have been worth it in the end, for all these reasons, I am choosing The Wanderers 
by Meg Howery to pair perfectly with that ISO feeling. So the Wanderers. Um, in four years, Prime Space will put the first humans on Mars. Helen Kane, Yoshi Tanaka, and Sergei Kuznetsov must prove they're the crew for the job by spending 17 months, yes, 17 months in the most realistic simulation ever created. Ha Helen's retired from NASA, but she's not trained for irrelevance, and it's nobody's fault that the best of her exists in space, although her daughter can't help placing blame. The Mars Now mission is Helen's last chance to return to the only place she's ever felt truly at home. For Yoshi, it's an opportunity to prove himself worthy of the wife he has loved absolutely, if not quite rightly. And Sergei is willing to spend 17 months in a tin can if it means traveling to Mars. As the days turn into months, the line between what is real and unreal becomes blurred. The astronauts learn that the complications of inner space are no less fraught than those of outer space. This is a book about the great search to understanding, understanding the world around us, space, but also to understanding the human heart. It's a wonderfully paced read, which you could dip into every day for a short glimpse into a world where nothing seems to happen and yet everything is happening. A world where connection with loved ones becomes more important than deep space exploration. But really, aren't those things pretty much the same? If your brain isn't already mildly fried or twisted, this book will get you there. So perhaps don't read it now, but pop it on your pile for when you want to revisit this crazy time at your leisure. Or maybe don't. I don't know. What do you reckon? <laughs> um, that sounds amazing. It's really, really good. Look, I've yeah. had to compare it. They've like say it's like a cross between Station Eleven and The Martian, and like it's neither of those things. But it is. It's kind of a little bit like that, and it's very much about inner space even though there's this whole focus on outer space and it's a simulation. Um, but of course you're spending 17 months in, in as much isolation as a simulation can give you with these two other astronauts being monitored closely by everyone around, you know, all the scientists and whatnot. Um, you're going to, you know, you're going to get a little bit crazy. Um, so it's, I found it truly interesting. It's a slow pace, but I think that now might be the time to read a slow pace book. Um, yeah. Lives are a little bit slower, but yeah, anyway, it sounds like where I went. <laughs> It sounds exactly like the kind of science fiction that I, I really love character driven science fiction where you look at the situation, but the situation isn't the story. It's how people are reacting to the situation. Oh, well, that sounds great. I love Becky Chambers. Oh my goodness. I love Becky Chambers. <laughs> I, I nearly picked um, to be taught if fortunate because it's a similar kind of story. Yeah, of course. The way I was thinking about it, but the Wanderers was just at the forefront of my brain for some reason, even though I read it ages ago. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. That's enough from me. I would love to hear what your second book pairing is. Kate. All right, so I took um, sort of a 90-degree turn from something fun and light and uh, life-affirming to a crime novel that I read late last year that I just can't get out of my head. So it's called Bluebird, Bluebird, and it's a book by Attica Locke, and it's a... Um, it's a small town crime novel that is set in rural Texas and it has sort of a disgraced Texas ranger who goes off to this very, 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 very small town um, to investigate a double homicide. Um, what I loved about it and I think what stays with me is how deeply nuanced it was. The crime itself really didn't have an enormous part to play in the story. Again, it was kind of like the science fiction novel that you just recommended in that the situation wasn't the story. It was how people were reacting to the situation. Um, it was really sharp. It had a lot of really sharp things to say. 
And I was hooked from the very first sentence. I couldn't put it down until I had finished it. It was one of those books that you have to sort of call in sick the next day with a headache when in reality it's just because you didn't stop reading until 4 a.m. and you were in no way in any shape whatsoever to get on public transportation and go to work the next morning. Um, I think I've seen it described as rural noir and I think that's a really good way of talking about the atmosphere in it, how deeply infused the sense of dread and the family secrets and the town secrets and um, of course being set deep in rural Texas there are race relations through there as well. It was just yeah, her her prose is so spare, but the emotional depth behind it was absolutely incredible. That book just grabbed hold of me and never let me go. It was amazing. It sounds it. It sounds it. I love books set in Texas. I don't know why. And it can be anywhere. <laughs> it can be cities. It can be rural. I just, whatever reason, that particular, you know, atmosphere or mythology around it that, that I grew up with, I guess, as an Australian, I just love it. I think you hit on the word, Perfectly. There's such a mythology built around Texas. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the people who come from Texas have that, it's patriotism almost to a state. And there's this idea that it's a culture that is unlike any other. So it becomes almost the setting itself, much like in the Australian rural books that I'm talking about in my PhD, the setting becomes a character that influences the story as much as anything else. So, yeah, so it's... Um, it's the first book in a series called Highway 59. I haven't read the other ones yet because this one hasn't let me go. So I figured I need to get over this one before I delve into the next ones. Um, Very cool. But yeah, if you're looking for a really solid crime novel, I wouldn't go past this one. You might get me back into crime. Now, what? <laughs> on it? Is it, are you pairing it with like a big Texan steak? What are you, what are you pairing well, with? Well, a lot of the action actually takes place in a little roadside food stand called Gemma Sweet Sweets. So I'd recommend, you know, some barbecue, something slow cooked with maybe a good rich sauce and a beer. I think yeah. you'd, have to, you'd have to have a beer in there as well. I love it. Barbecue and a beer. Look, it's mm. practically Australian, honestly, but you mean a Texan, <laughs> don't you? Bit of brisket. Yeah, exactly. Certainly the appreciation of a nice cut of meat crosses that cultural boundary. <laughs> That's for sure it does. That sounds so cool. I love, you know, learning about books that I haven't read, haven't even heard of this one. And yet it sounds like it's right up my alley. So thank you so much for sharing those recommendations. And I love the pairings too. I think that, I mean, that's a good pairing, but your Samantha Irby pairing, um, that's, that's going to stay with me. Just like your basic, basic snack pairing. I just, I love it. And I'm so amazed that you shared that with everybody. I know. I, I might have deep regrets about that later, but you know what? It's fine. I'm going to own it. <laughs> do, do. That's Seriously, good. these Aldi crackers are amazing. Go out and find them. I will be looking them up. Never fear. I, I know how to do that research. All right. Well, that is actually it from me. Thank you so much for being part of this episode today, Kate. It's been a blast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've had so much fun telling you about some of my favorite books. Um, well, that's all from me, folks. You can follow Kate on Twitter at KatieDidInOz, K-A-T-Y-D-I-D-I-N-O-Z, or Z for our American listeners. And check out writersvictoria.org.au if you are a writer interested in connecting with other writers in all stages of their careers. You can find Literary Elixirs on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Literary Elixirs. And if you've been enjoying what you've been listening to, please leave an Apple review, even if you don't listen that way. Apparently, it really does help people find out about the podcast. 
Enjoy all elixirs responsibly, especially those Aldi crackers. And remember, books go with pretty much anything.